Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Casual Gains. I'm your host, Maddie Burke, and this is the third episode in our Ask the MBA series. So today we're going to be talking about how I maintained a 4.0 GPA in grad school and how you can do it too. First, let's talk about what GPA is and what it represents. So your GPA is your grade point average. I think about it as a reflection of your performance in your degree program on a designated point scale. It can be weighted or unweighted depending on where you go to school. It can also be skewed by your school or department's method of grading. So if you don't know what grade inflation is, I suggest pausing this episode and doing a quick Google search. For example, the school I went to for undergrad and grad school used a plus minus scale. An A plus was worth 4.3 points, an A was worth 4.0 points, an A minus was worth 3.7 points. You get the gist. So you could get all A's the entire time and technically not have a 4.0. As you can imagine, this became a very large pain in the behind when applying for grad schools or other professional schools like dental and medical school because someone could technically pass all of the required courses at the school's standards and not pass at the national standard of their advanced education path of choice once their GPA was converted. So these alternate grading methods are usually meant to benefit the school, not you. That being said, I know how difficult it is to not let your GPA define you. There are so many factors completely out of your control that can reflect poorly on your effort and performance on paper. A less than perfect GPA doesn't mean you didn't give your 100% or that you're not a good student, but it took me years to accept that um, and to take on that mindset and not define myself in that way, though I still maintain very high expectations and standards for myself professionally and academically. Honestly, I've been out of school for about six months now, and I very rarely think about my GPA unless it's in the context of further educating people through casual gains. That's it. Being in school for six years straight while working and tutoring others, I learned a few tricks to help improve and maintain a high GPA without completely losing myself in it. So I'm going to share some of them with you today and discuss how they affect your academic performance, as well as how they can help you balance having a life outside of school, which is just as important. The first tip is to always come to lecture prepared. I know they tell you this in orientation, and I know nobody listens because I didn't, but it's so important. At the bare minimum, you should be looking at the syllabus or the class calendar to see what you're going to be discussing and mentally prepare to receive and absorb that information. If you have time for it, going through and skimming the reading or the presentation, if it's available to you, is also a good way to prepare. However, I don't believe in reading the entire chapter before a lecture, and there's a reason for that. Which brings us to the second tip. Do not read the entire chapter unless it's something you've never learned about before or you're struggling to understand the concept in lecture slash apply it to your assignment. Reading the entire chapter in one sitting is just so unnecessary, no matter how much your professors want you to think it is, because I guarantee you the only reason your textbook is, quote, required is because the professor either wrote it, contributed to it, or is getting a commission off of its sale. So I don't know about y'all, but I cannot sit there for 30 minutes to an hour and read nonstop while absorbing all of the information I'm meant to 
we're just not built to study like that. When I had reading assignments in grad school, this is how I did it. First, I would review the lecture if it was available before it was actually time for class or time for me to do my classwork. If I had never heard of something before or thought I was going to need more information, I would write that down and open the textbook. I would read the summary of each chapter first, then go back to the beginning and read the introduction along with the first and last paragraph of every section and anything that was highlighted in between as a key term or formula. This took what could be hours of reading down to 20 or 30 minutes. So during the lecture, I would write down anything I was confused about or that I thought I needed more information on. Then I would go back to the textbook after and read that section in full with annotation. The third tip is to take notes during lecture strategically. When I was an undergrad, I never understood how people functioned by printing out the PowerPoint and taking notes on it. They would literally bring a binder to class with the PowerPoint on it and just take notes. And I never understood it. I would literally sit there staring at them like there's no way they're learning anything. And then those would be the people that would ace the exam, right? So that's what I did in grad school. And once I started using that method, my GPA skyrocketed. To say that I was shook is an understatement. But there's a reason that this method is so genius. You're not using all of your brain power to write down what's on the screen because it's already available to you and printed out in front of you on the desk. So instead, you spend your brain power writing down what the professor says about it and how they say it. That's so important. I'm going to say it again. Spend your brain power writing down what the professor says about the topic and how they said it. The best example of this is when a professor repeats something at least twice, but definitely three times. If they spend their energy repeating a concept, I can guarantee you with 95% or more confidence that you will be tested on it in some way. The fourth tip is to study in groups only when it serves you. That's going to sound selfish, but every single person is there for the same reason. They want to better themselves and advance their education. Though it's very nice and noble to want to help your friend who's struggling, send them to office hours or refer them to a tutor that you really enjoyed working with, but do not waste your precious study time getting them to understand the concept that they would have understood if they had showed up prepared. Let's talk about an example of this. I worked with a core study group in undergrad with two guys that were in my major and therefore in the majority of my classes. We would take turns explaining things to each other and share notes if somebody had to miss class for some reason, like an interview or to finish a project with a hard deadline. It was a very even exchange and everyone benefited from the arrangement equally. When we studied together, we spent less time on those classes, understood things quicker and with higher proficiency and performed better on exams. We also had an agreement that we would not share any information, notes or contacts with anyone who was not studying with us. Again, this is going to sound very selfish, but when you're in a pre-med program like I was, that's highly competitive, you are literally competing with the person sitting next to you. And this applies to highly competitive graduate programs as well, like law school, medical school, dental school, where you need to be at the top 5 to 10% of your class to get the job or further training assignment that you want. So every decision you make while you're in school has an impact on your future, whether directly or indirectly, it will matter. One of my friend's dads is a physician, and he advised that we maintain the arrangement in a confidential manner until we graduated. He actually helped us set that up. He emphasized that you have to be very careful who you offer help to, because if they outperform you and there's going to be a curve, you may not benefit from it 
You want to be the person that sets the curve, not the person that falls short of it, and certainly not the person who helps someone else get rid of it entirely. My fifth tip is to get to know your professors. This is another one that they tell you in orientation, and not many people take it seriously, but the ones that do take it seriously are the ones that advance quickly and quietly. By the time they're on top of the class, no one noticed how they got there. A good example of this would be these two best friends that were in my major and the majority of my classes, they were literally joined at the hip. They took every single class together, went to lab together, went to office hours together, studied together, everything. They both had extremely high GPAs and had their own study arrangement that fed off of each of their strengths and compensated for each of their weaknesses. Once I figured this out, I started studying their methods so that I could figure out what they were doing and how they were doing so well. One of them took rigorous notes in every class. The other paid attention to the professor and wrote nothing down. At the end of each class, they would debrief each other and add to or edit the notes based on, again, how the professor went into each topic and the way in which they explained it. They both went to office hours at the same time and studied immediately afterwards, so they were maintaining consistent contact with all their professors, taking advantage of the freshness of all the information they obtained and leveraging those connections. They also did research in the same lab, leveraged that relationship in the same way, but for letters of recommendation, not just to maintain an accurate and proficient understanding of the content. Genius, absolutely genius. They both graduated at the top of our class. They got university honors for getting extremely high GPAs. One of them is now trained to be a physician and the other one is getting their PhD. Both of them got scholarships to grad school. My sixth tip is to do as much as humanly possible in advance. If you have a syllabus or a class calendar that lays all of your assignments and exam dates out for you, put that in your planner during week one and set calendar reminders to start studying at least three to five days in advance of an assignment, depending on how much it's worth. I stuck to the same rigorous schedule the entire time in undergrad. Once I figured out what worked and the three to five day rule was by far my best one. Granted, I put this in place a little too late to save my undergrad GPA, but I hit the ground running with this strategy in grad school. And this is one of the main things I attribute to being able to maintain a 4.0. If the exam was a midterm or it was a graded project, I started at least three days before it was due. If it was a final exam or a final project that was worth more than 20% of my grade, I started at least five days in advance. You don't have to do the whole thing at once five days in advance and then just stew over it for the next four days. But you need to sit there, look at the requirements, look at how much it's worth, decide what idea you're going to proceed if it's a project or what the actual exam is going to be on. Reach out to your professor for any clarity that you might need and then form a study plan and then just sit down, crank it out, get it done, be prepared in advance so that you're not freaking out at the last minute and worried about your time crunch over what you're supposed to be learning or doing. Maintaining this schedule and making it work for you also requires that you have a very thorough understanding of your other responsibilities, if not memorizing the amount of time and energy they take out of you and leveraging any time not spent doing them. For example, when I first started grad school, I was working part-time depending on the week or the season because I was in sales and I was tutoring three students at a time, two to three times a week for an hour each. So at one point, I calculated that I worked on average 28 to 48 hours a week while being a full-time grad student. 
I stopped working on the weekends and started tutoring a couple days before I had an exam to get myself adequate time to prepare and make sure that nothing got in the way of me taking my exam on time. And once I had a thorough understanding of when I was able to tutor or not, or work or not, or study or not, my schedule served me in every way humanly possible. And this is what I recommend you do as well. Tip number seven is to study how you learn best, not just how everyone else is doing it. Some people hate note cards, can't even look at them. Other people love note cards and swear by them. Some people will print the PowerPoint and take notes right on it. Some people download it, take notes at the bottom. Some people write everything by hand or type everything and review the PowerPoint later. Some tactics look like they wouldn't work, but work the best for that particular person that is using them. Finding your groove and your preferences takes a little bit of trial and error, and that's okay. And the same tactic may not work for every class. For example, in my graduate level negotiations class, I used a lot of note cards and read the textbook every time, and I aced every single exam. For any class dealing with numbers and formulas like statistics, finance, economics, accounting, I was not touching a note card, okay? I was doing the formulas, doing the practice problems, doing practice questions and reviewing what was going to be on the exam and just grinding it out. Note cards were not necessary. My last and maybe most important tip is to do any extra work that's offered to you when there are points attached. If your professor offers bonus points for doing an extra assignment or for turning in an assignment early, it's in your best interest to do that. Some people would argue, well, why would I do any extra work? If it's not required, why would I not spend that time studying instead? If you're struggling in a class, it still benefits you to do the extra work in another class because that will provide points to pad your grade in case you get sick or get behind or struggle in another area and can't bring that grade up in time. So look at each individual class, your performance in it, and look at that grade in relation to what it does for your GPA. So let's say you are struggling in a class that is worth three hours, but you have a very high grade and a bonus opportunity in a class that's worth five hours. It is definitely worth it to spend more time on the bonus points for the five hour class because it will provide more weight to your GPA. And that varies depending on how your school will grade everything. So you need to have a high proficiency of understanding in your school's grading policies. But those few extra points could be the difference between an A and a B or even a B plus and an A minus, which can push your GPA forward in the long term. We're looking at a cumulative effect here. So if you spent, let's say, two hours of your time every semester doing a bonus assignment, that could equate to a lot of points over four years or even two years in grad school that you otherwise would not have earned. Doing extra assignments also shows how seriously you're taking the class and gives extra opportunities for you to ask for feedback from your professors and form a relationship with them. Trust me when I say that professors want to write excellent letters of recommendation for students that go to their classes every day and have no problem doing so for students that go above and beyond. They want to do that. They want to show a good reflection of them as a teacher and of you as a student and of the school as a whole. If you think it will benefit you as far as your mindset and your ability to maintain a balanced schedule to look at bonus work as if it is required, then do it.
Stay tuned for the next episode in our Ask the MBA series, where we talk about the intricacies of balancing work, life, and grad school all at once. Join our social community by following us at casual.gains on Instagram and TikTok. New episodes drop every other Friday. This episode was written, produced, and hosted by me, Maddie Burke, MBA. It was published via Anchor and is available on Spotify.